we have planners and e-commerce managers and marketers and production. Everyone wants to be in there learning more about the product, right? They made $6 million, Nathan, in a few months from that decision. It really became kind of a secret weapon in terms of optimizing buying and planning. Welcome to Add to Cart, Australia's leading e-commerce podcast that express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of online retail. Every week, Nathan Bush from eSuite and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Here we go. It's the second last episode of 2022 and what a year it has been. Well done if you're still with us. I mean, you haven't clocked off yet. Black Friday is over, but we're still here to learn and hear about what's happening in Australian e-commerce. And we have such an amazing guest today to talk all about product and merch planning, something we can definitely take into the new year. And this came about after we had Paul Waddy on the pod recently, and he reminded me just how important product is. We talk a lot about customer, but we can't forget the product is why our customers are here. We're solving their problems. And obviously, when you start your e-commerce business, you're not lying awake at night dreaming about ROAS. You're dreaming about the product that you can get to your customers and how it's going to change their world and your world. And today's guest holds product in that same high regard. And obviously, it's not as simple as those early ideas. Once you start scaling, product actually becomes really hard. And she's built the ultimate tool to help retailers manage and plan to get products in customers' hands. Michaela Wessels is the co-founder and the CEO of Style Arcade. Style Arcade is an application that pulls together everything about your product's performance together in one place. So we're talking sales, stock, future orders, Google Analytics, and the idea is that you can then ditch the spreadsheets. And I'm sure if you're still working to stock spreadsheets, you'll be feeling the pain. Michaela is passionate about using product data for growth, and Style Arcade is a really great culmination of everything that she's learned over her 15 years of working in merch for some of the biggest names in retail. In this chat, Michaela shares why creativity and analytics is such a winning combination when it comes to range planning. What you'll see at Style Arcade isn't your standard tables. It's a really creative visual platform. We also get gritty and talk about, you know, tips on merch planning from all her experience. And she gives tips on how to nail size extensions, when to know what sizes to stock and how to stock them. And she also gives us the story of how a simple white t-shirt made a $6 million difference for one of her happy merchants. Also, Michaela is offering 15% off for Add to Cart listeners if you're interested in trialing Style Arcade. So don't miss that code at the end of the chat. All right, let's get into it. Thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Paclio. Here's our conversation with Michaela Wessels, co-founder and CEO of Style Arcade. Michaela, welcome to Add to Cart. Thanks, Nath. So good to be here. So good to have you here. I'm really excited to dive into our topic today, which is all about range planning. And it's a topic that I feel probably doesn't get enough attention in the e-commerce space. So I'm really keen to jump into this with you today. But I might start, we're going to go into your story, but I'd love to start with your 
version of what range planning is because I think everyone's got a different version of what range planning actually is. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, there's option planning, range planning, assortment planning, so many different ways to call a similar activity and such an important activity, I think, for retailers. But essentially, range planning is planning your product purchases so that you can achieve your sales goals, right? So it's that beautiful art of balancing visually your range with financially the kind of data points that you need to hit to make sure that's a really commercial range that is going to achieve your sales budget. So spending in the right categories, the right colors, the right products, price points, units, sizes, it's extensive, but it is an amazingly powerful way to move the needle for a retail brand. Yeah, it's a really interesting skill set, right? Because you've got this creative element, which you need to know product. And I suppose you've got to have a fair bit of intuition, but also that analytical side as well to understand the data and understand what it's telling you. Oh, Nathan, I think it's that perfect combination between the art and the science, right? It's like a super creative world with the product and really the product's the hero, right? Of any retail business, your product is your hero. And then it's that wonderful side of using your data to combine those two things together to create real magic. Yeah. That's why I've been excited about it for so many years. It's like that (laughs) left and right brain coming together. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive into that because you've got just the most amazing retail background with brands such as the iconic. Can you tell us how did you find yourself in, you know, range planning? (laughs) Well, or even software, Nathan, to begin with, right? I did a finance degree and then went into getting my chartered accounting qualification and very quickly within six months, I was like, these are not my people. (laughs) There is no creative space here. So I joined TrueWords, which is a big department store in South Africa, 700 stores globally, and really learned kind of the ropes of merchandise buying and planning there. And to me, it was the Swiss clock of how you should operate a retail business. It was just we... But the interesting thing I found there learning through those years was that we built all our own software internally. So there's this big department store or retailer that has to hire engineers and product developers like, whoa, why are we trying to become a software business when we're a retailer? So Mm -hmm. that, that I was like, this is not quite right. And so then further in my career, by the time I reached director of planning at the iconic, I had a prototype ready to go of style arcade because there was just way too much revenue left on the table for retail brands as like there are so many better ways to do this so when was that first realization that we shouldn't be building software what year are we talking there oh i don't want to say because it's going to give away my age no this is over a decade ago and it hasn't changed much in since, right? There's a lot of in- innovation in the marketing space a lot of innovation in the front of house of a retailer not much to support the buyers, planners, production, marketing in the back end, like running the day-to-day. And that was where I was passionate about solving those problems for those guys. And when you say money left on the table from the lack of tools and insights, what does that actually mean? Well, I think what we noticed, and this was my gut feeling in, in retail when I was working for big enterprise businesses, that there was about 20 to 25% of revenue left on the table from just one thing, which was inaccurate sizing. We needed algorithms to drive sizing. 
But other than that, when I look at, you know, Salicade's got a broad range of businesses and brands on our platform, a few billion dollar businesses, and then right down to businesses who turn over, say, a million to five million a year and everything in between. So we've kind of seen it all. And my biggest realization now across the whole brands or all of the brands is that there's a lot of revenue missed from just formulaically applying merchandise planning. It would be the biggest win for them. and. There is a lot of growth opportunity in these brands, specifically Australian brands, where, yeah, just like untapped potential that they have not been able to see. And that's what I'm excited to kind of bring to them. Great. All right. So let's, we're going to dive into that. And I'm really excited to hear more about the brands you're working with at Style Arcade because some brilliant brands in there. Tell me about that moment where you've gone director of merchandise at the iconic obviously leading a great team, industry-leading online retail, and you've had this idea percolating in the back of your head around a platform to help planners. What made you go into then creating a piece of software? So thinking back to when I started Style Arcade, because it was a long time before I went to the Iconic, I was doing this on evenings and weekends. We would meet, like my co-founders and I, on Wednesdays and Sundays religiously. We didn't even know what we were going to do with the product, but we knew that there was a problem to be solved. And I could not do my job without a piece of tech. So I was really building for myself, right? But by the time I got to the Iconic, we had this prototype of Style Arcade ready to go. So in my first week, I showed Patrick, the CEO at the time, and he was like, how have we not had something like this before? And I was like, I know, right? (laughs) Pretty good validation, right? Yeah, totally. So we put it right in, which I'm so grateful for. And it really became kind of a secret weapon in terms of, optimizing buying and planning at large scale and really seeing how you can move the needle for a retail business when doing it right. So that was pretty exciting. But I think the catalyst for me even building the prototype in the first place, it came from working in a retail brand where we were every Monday printing a ream of reports about like each product, each page was a product and its performance history, right? And so like there were eight of us that sat in a room, each with our own ream of paper, (laughs) flicking through these products, trying to decide what to do, what to buy more of, what to mark down, what to send to which stores. Oh man, it was killing me. We were just, what we did to the environment in those few years was a bit scary. And then I also at that same retailer spent one week just trying to get sizing perfectly. I said to myself, so Mikhail, if you had to sit down and do this, like, an algorithm would and make it absolutely perfect. Let's do that for one store. And it took me a week and I was like, well, it has to be done in software. So we have to do this. So anyway, those are the two catalysts, like environmental impact and really just unable to do my job the way we should have. Ready to go back and flip burgers for a living? Nah, me neither. But one of the most surprising results that came out of Shopify's recent global survey was that despite the cost of living pressures on customers, two-thirds of customers are still open to splurging on themselves at least monthly. The most common splurge? Takeaway food. But even if you aren't in the grease game, it is promising because no matter how price-orientated the market is, customers will find opportunities to treat themselves You've just got to find the right moment to wave the smell of that juicy burger under their noses. Something to think about as you're planning 2023. 
to view more resources to help with your 2023 planning and see how Shopify can take your e-commerce business to the next level, visit shopify.com forward slash au today. I love that as a retailer, you've built this for retailers. And I think that's a great bones for a solution. Does that initial prototype or the initial version of Style Arcade, how does it compare to what Style Arcade is today? We're only four years old and Nathan, it is black and white from where it was to begin with. I mean, oh, I don't want to tell you the stories. We laugh. We look back at the interface in the beginning days and we had a little logo with a little M. It didn't stand for Makayla. But everyone's like, what was that silly little logo with the stars? And I'm like, oh, God, no. <laughs> but the functionality has come leaps and bounds, right? You just kind of reach your stride and you look delivering new product every year and it's pretty exciting. Yeah. So, yeah. And from what I've seen, I haven't actually used it myself, but what I've seen is that the visual nature of it is something that you focused on in being able to help planners show the product, not just represent it as a bunch of data. Is that unique for Style Arcade? It is, Nathan. I think it's one of our biggest success criteria. We initially designed the platform for buyers, right? Because they're visual human beings. And also the customer is visual. The customer is buying the product based on the visual elements of the product. So if we don't understand that, what do we know? You know, codes in a spreadsheet just do not come to life. So we intentionally designed it very visual and it has served us so well because now that it's a visual tool, we have planners and e-commerce managers and marketers and production. Everyone wants to be in there learning more about the product, right? Yeah, and I bet the planners are like, no, just get out of my tool. This is my tool. <laughs> <laughs> little, Yeah, a little bit protective, but the things the planners can do now, you should see them. These power users can move mountains, yeah. I'd love to hear more about some of the clients that you're working with because you are focused mainly on fashion, as I understand. But given your background and, and the fashion retailers that you've worked with previously, I'd love to know if there's anything that ever surprises you in merch planning or range planning now that you see with your current users of Style Arcade. Yeah, well, actually, the one thing that surprises me and delights me at the same time is that the users, like I say, these power users can hack the Style Arcade system a bit like a game. And I've like, sometimes you watch them working in it and you're like, how did you guys know to do that? You've literally hacked the system and found a way better way to do something than we'd have imagined it could be done. Because it's a very flexible tool, you can do a lot with it. And some of the things they do, I'm just amazed at. They're, they're brilliant. Have so any that of those hacks turned into me. features? So true. Yes. <laughs> we have to credit our customers and our users for a lot of the features. They, they vote on features. They give us loads of feedback. We're very, we work to hand in hand with them like partners, really. Yeah. Great. And who are some of the clients that you hold up as like these guys? They've got a grip on, on their range planning. I would be choosing favorites now, right? <laughs> That's okay. That's what we're here for. We're not here to sell favorites. <laughs> well, actually, I can think of a few users and therefore, brands that you could really call out that have like done amazing things. White Fox always comes to mind. That team is so passionate about using their data to really grow their business and gosh, the success that they have seen. It's admirable. And then we had another user at Meshki who was so passionate about getting her sizing right that she achieved like a 99% accuracy and she delivered hundreds of thousands of dollars for that brand just in a really short amount of time from improving sizing of all 
it's like an unsung hero sizing. And do you find that you, you've called out a couple of users rather than brands? Do you find that you come across retailers you can help by individuals who are almost like-minded to you and have this passion for merch and planning and optimizing what you can get out of it? And do yeah. you like connect with individuals probably more than you connect with brands initially? Probably. Yeah. That's like, um, you're right. It's like a like-minded things. We're like wired for efficiency and for growth. And so we're looking for all those opportunities. And I think that's why Starlocate allows you to discover all of those things. So the users get really pretty deep into it, which is very cool. All right. So let's get deep into it. Let's get nerdy on the tool itself. I'd love if you're able to share with us like some of the features of Style Arcade as in you're speaking to people who are in love with e-commerce, but might not necessarily be in the planning mode all day, every day. We've got a lot of listeners who are in Shopify and potentially even managing their inventory and planning through what they get out of Shopify rather than a dedicated tool. What can a dedicated planning tool do? that generic platforms can't? Well, I think, Nathan, it's about having that focus, right? We focus on product data, merchandise, buying, and planning. That's what we do all day, every day. So if you are a Shopify brand, you most likely are living in Excel and Shopify, and you're wanting to get more out of that data, you're wanting to know what to do, and you're finding yourself living in pivot tables because of it. So that is the problem that we solve. We connect to Shopify and then you're up and running in a week and you've got a visual world to interrogate your data, to make better buying decisions. It just all kind of comes to life versus the spreadsheet that, yeah, is living on. Well, the spreadsheets, multiple. Yes, multiple spreadsheets. And so is there intelligence included in it as in it'll present your data, but then if you're trying to plan six months out, 12 months out, that will give you recommendations or is it still up to the user to kind of interpret the data and then make the call? Well, this is what we we do in Starlocate is make it easier for you. We literally yeah. run algorithms across your data set to bring you these opportunities and business risks so that you can literally just have a look at those summaries. Opportunities like, you know, products that were underbought, what could you have sold if you'd been in stock? How much should we have bought? It will then quantify your revenue opportunity from those products and allow you to reorder them in a minute. So I think those kind of automation pieces are huge because you shouldn't have to think about what you need to ask. Those questions should be ready for you to action. Yeah. Do you ever get CFOs or CEOs wanting to see the data in there? Because I can imagine, you know, the way you speak about it then is like, yes, absolutely. We've got to have the right product in stock for our customers, but also we've got to understand our missed opportunities. You know, what you said before, leaving revenue on the table, this is really relevant to a lot more than just the merchandising teams, right? Totally. We have the whole business in there, Nathan. I think it's um, one of the biggest strengths is having the whole business aligned on product. And so you'll find CEOs in there sometimes. They don't spend a lot of time in there, but they will dive in and have a look at their best sellers, right? Because they know that there are some money makers in there that they need to be looking after. So they'll jump into their best seller and write a little note to the buyer or whatever. Can we order another 10,000 units of this? Because it's absolutely cooking. And usually the team are on top of it anyway, but it's nice to have everyone collaborating in there. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And is there a feature or a tool that you would love to incorporate? Like if we take your style arcade hat off and you go, I'm a planner, what is it that you think would really make the lives of planners easier and better 
that no one's really cracked yet. There's so much white space here. There is so much white space to make planners and buyers' lives easier, which is what's fun about it, right? So anything that I've ever imagined where you think, oh, this is an opportunity, it's kind of exactly what I bombard my team with every day, these ideas around how we improve buyers' and planners' life and make buying fun again. But if we talk roadmap for a second and not giving too much away, imagine a world where you can have the ability to look at your future range and know in your data which products will generate acquisition for you, which ones will generate revenue for you, like upsell revenue or loyalty, because these products are different. And it's so interesting the products that the customers come to your site for and gain new customers versus the products that will upsell existing and create more lifetime value for you. And knowing the difference and how to buy your future ranges catered to that is really impressive so that's kind of the one of the few things that i'm looking forward to things i want but there are many there are many <laughs> but that's a really fascinating concept i haven't thought about it that way before if we've got retailers going oh i wonder what my acquisition products are versus my retention or my loyalty products are there any rules or theories that you have in mind about the types of products in fashion that work best in one or the other Well, there are kind of patterns that you'll see and every brand is different, but patterns that you'll see around aspirational products or products that people are attracted to, to hop onto the site, but that they don't end up purchasing because they might be higher price points or whatever it is, because each customer has their own preference in price point category or things they're looking for. Then they're on your site and they end up converting with a product that's usually one of your money spinners, like your bread and butter products that everyone loves, or maybe it's even fashion. And then you've got products later, which are really that surprise. They've had such a good moment with your first product that they're like, I'm going to come back to the site and see what else is there. And then you convert them again on a different product. So there's a different path for each customer, but there are patterns in each brand that you can pick up on to optimize your future range planning for these. That's really fascinating, isn't it? When you get into the customer psychology, especially in a, in a social media world where bombarded with interesting kind of high value products and we're interested because it's entertaining and yeah. it's nice to dream, but then the reality of how we actually shop is very different. So different. And Nathan, do you know what the best example I remember of this was? Victoria's Secret, right? Have all of these aspirational products that people flock to because there's a lot of hype around them. And then what do they sell the most of in store? not the lingerie, the body products, right? (laughs) That's their bread and butter stuff. So you just got to know where you make the money, know where you acquire the customers and how you create that lifetime value from the combination. I love that insight. It's really cool. You mentioned before around the issues with ordering sizing and planning for different sizes. 15 years of experience in range planning. What are your rules when it comes to ordering for different sizes and trying to kind of put some parameters around what you order and keep track of? Yeah, such a good question. So first off, it's the first catalyst for why I developed Style Arcade. Sizing needs to be run by algorithms. It's way too hard in Excel and you won't get it right. So first off, get a tool that can give you size accurate recommendations on products. And then in terms of like looking at your whole range and saying, should I extend my size range? Your data will tell you, which is really good. Like very comforting to know if you've got an opportunity to extend your size range, either smaller or larger, your data will tell you. So 
lean on your data points, have a look at your size run. Say it runs from extra small to extra large. If your extra large in the first few weeks is consistently selling out and indexing, say, 10 to 15% of your total sales before it breaks a size, Mm -hmm. you can be sure that an extra, extra large is an opportunity for you. And then just test it, say, with 2 to 5% of your units. And then you'll eke your way to improving like and knowing where your sweet spot is, where you like, that's my size ratio that works every time for me. Gotcha. So look at your far sizes at either end. And if your percentages are high-ish, 15%, then you've probably got scope to push them out further. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We noticed with one of our customers, they had their extra small was 30% of their sales in the first six just one size, right, is 30% of their sales in their first six weeks. Definitely an opportunity for an extra, extra small, which then allows you greater market share, right, that you didn't have before. You've refreshed your website. The new range is about to drop. You've never had more customer service options. Hey, but take a look over there at that boring pile of packaging boxes. Ugh, ugly. Time to give that some love. Luckily, Packlio is here to bring some joy to your customer's delivery and unboxing experience. It's been ignored for way too long. With vibrant colors, cool designs, and eco-friendly credentials, there are no more excuses for boring boxes. Even better, Packlio is Australian-owned and operated with same-day dispatch and 14-day returns. There's nothing boring about that. Check out the Packlio range of e-commerce packaging options at packlio.com. That's Packlio, P-A-C-K. L-E-O, Paclio.com. Seems to be a lot of pressure at the moment around plus sizing for brands and inclusivity, which is a great thing. But there's a commercial reality to that, right? If you're extending your range and you're unsure that there's an audience for it. Can you share with us what are the practicalities that retailers need to think about? If they're in that mindset of going, I'm getting pressured to go plus size, what should be the considerations to actually push ahead into that range if they haven't already? Such a good point. I think the other thing that we do sometimes when we have this pressure or size inclusivity is really important to the brand owner and they want to push into that area, to do it in a measured way so that you protect your business And there's a lot of cash outlay to do this activity. So I think, number one, don't do it on all your products. Even though it's counterintuitive, don't range it on all your products. And so there will be certain products that cater really well to larger sizes and certain cater really well to extending it on the smaller side. And just look at the patterns in your data to know which these are and then test on certain products and then move it in that direction as opposed to do it on everything because you will just lose a lot of money doing it that way. Makes a lot of sense. We had the team from Lookbook on a few months ago and one of their insights was around, yes, absolutely, you can go plus size, but it's not just about increasing the size, it's actually redesigning the product yeah. for the different sizes. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And I think there's an art to that. There really is almost a whole business you could create around what is the art of taking your range and extending it and being inclusive in a way that makes sense for your customer base. Yeah. Yeah. In our research, I read an article from you where you talk about the 80-20 rule in knowing what to kind of double down on and what to cull. When do you know it's the right time to cull a product from your range? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny because brands have these almost sacred cows 
that they don't want to let go of, you know, but it's again, it's in the data. The product either sells and makes you a lot of money or it simply doesn't. But that 80-20 rule, Nathan, it's almost like you could apply it formulaically to any brand. 20% of your styles will make 80% of your revenue every month of the year. So all you need to do is focus on that 20%, make sure you've bought enough of those guys in the right sizes and you're just growing and growing. I think that's like that very big leverage point is if you've leveraged that 20%, you really do make a big impact to your revenue line. Yeah, great. Perfect. Seems simple, doesn't it, when you look at it from the outside? I know, I know. But the funny thing is merchandise planning is this dark art. It's no one's learned it, right? It's not available everywhere. So the people, and they're not enough merchandise planners, let's be honest. The people that know this, the way to apply this science can make a big impact for these brands. And we're trying to make that democratized and available to more people and more brands to be able to grow without, yeah, needing to be an expert in merchandise planning. Yeah. So that leads me to the next question. Obviously, your path in was from an accounting background, wanting to be more creative and using those skills to go into merch planning. If you were starting your career today, maybe you're working in a casual job in retail or you might be an e-commerce coordinator and you're like, I love what Michaela's talking about. I I think that's my world. How would you make a path or upskill to be proficient in merchandise planning? Oh, wow. So I believe that there are actually courses that you can do now and degrees in merchandise planning, which is great. But I found that a lot of, you know, retail teams are really open to you growing through the ranks. So you join as, you know, maybe you're in on the retail storefront and you end up joining head office as a brand coordinator or a buyer's assistant or an allocator. And then you just push into the domain of merchandise planning. And it's a brilliant, brilliant world and so fascinating to be in that role. I couldn't recommend it more highly for anybody that wants that really great balance of data and uh, creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And in my experience, I've found as well, merch teams, they respond really well to people who are curious. I find they're not protective like some other teams. And I'm generalizing here, but usually if you show an interest in merch planning, they're like, oh, you're interested in this? Come (laughs) in and have a look. (laughs) It's like an unsexy profession. But it is so amazing to have merch planning in your business. You know, you're kind of buying down to these people. Uh, the merch planner practicing the dark arts in the corner, but just making such a big impact. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it does get exciting because even reading one of your taglines was about helping make Australian brands global brands through the insights and the usability of Style Arcade. Are there any Australian brands that have stood out for you, especially clients, that have used Style Arcade to allow them to grow into an international market? Yeah, definitely. Actually, this is our mission and purpose, right? We want to create a number of unicorns that went from, you know, a growing brand to a global brand. And if we've done that, we've certainly achieved our our goal. But I think, Nathan, in terms of international expansion, when we talk about range planning and understanding your US customer versus your AU customer, if you intimately understand that from a product perspective, the growth opportunities are huge. One of our brands, I remember, they were with us for maybe eight weeks and we spotted an opportunity and we were just doing a training session with them and we said, there is this opportunity in your data that says you need to spend double the amount on white tops. And they were like, huh? And it's a really random like suggestion, but they took it and they ran with it because they could see it in the data. They made $6 million, Nathan, in a few months from that decision because you double the amount of white tops, 
they sell out and you go, oh gosh, I can double again. So these kinds of insights just really quickly make a big impact for businesses. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting what you said there because at the start of our conversation, we were talking about our passion for, for range planning and you said something along the lines of around product is so important in retail and, you know, we're coming from a world where it's probably more trendy to say that customer is at the heart of everything. But even how you've described that process there around internationalization is the difference between US customers and Australian customers. Even if you're in the product world, you've still got to understand customers. So they work together, right? It's not one or the other. Totally. And this is probably what I'm most excited about with the innovation of e-commerce in general is these two data sets, customer data and product data are going to join to be the future of what we do. We make all decisions with both sets together and we, yeah, we're pretty excited about being a part of that change. That's very cool. Now, you mentioned before when we're talking about data coming together, you mentioned that you plug into Shopify, but can you tell me a little bit from a technical side, how does Style Arcade typically integrate into a business? Is it a complicated thing or is there one or two data points? Well, if you're looking for range planning, you can pretty much be up and running in a week. There's no effort in getting up and running with range planning. You import your Excel spreadsheets. That's as simple as it is. And then you've got a visual tool to work in. And but you delete um, them forever. You delete them forever. So, <laughs> Nate, we worked with SurfStitch. They were running 55 spreadsheets across nine departments, like a lot of users. In one week, they were up and running in range plan and have never looked back. So it's really not hard to adopt technology because we've made it as flexible as Excel. So as much as everyone loves Excel, you'll love StyleArcade because it can do all the Excel things too. So that's kind of connection for range plan. But otherwise, we connect all of your systems. Anything with product data, we get into StyleArcade. So your Shopify or e-commerce platform, your ERP, your Google Analytics, we bring those data sets together. But if you're a Shopify customer, you can be up and running in less than a week, a couple of days, in fact. Amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Very cool. We've got to wrap up. I've really enjoyed our chat. But you and the team publish a seasonal trend report, which I had a bit of a flick through. And it's a, it's a really good piece of content on your website. What are the biggest trends that you see at the moment in range planning and fashion that fashion retailers should be across in e-commerce? Thank goodness you qualified that with what are the trends in range planning because I'm no fashionista. But <laughs> <laughs> You're doing better than me. Oh, God. It's hard, right? And also, like, post-pandemic, what is fashion anymore? You've got to, like, find a new groove. But the team published a great trend report. For me, it's more about, like, trends in innovation and growth for e-commerce brands. And I'm excited about the power of bringing those customer and product data sets together. That's definitely a trend everyone should be watching out for. The other thing that very fast-growing brands need to be ahead of in terms of the curve is watching how your customer base changes over time. You're acquiring so many new customers that your customer base and preferences are changing every month. So if you think about it, we acquire Mary and March, who came to us and spent somewhere between $200 and $500. She likes dresses and skirts. And then you acquire Naomi during Black Friday in November, and she spends between $100 and $200 with us, and she much prefers tops and accessories. So... Naomi might be a size eight and Mary might be a size 12. You're taking all of these customers and melting pots together of all your customers and then trying to understand your customer base and how it's shifting over time. If you can keep up with that, 
you'll be winning every day of the week because you're catering to what your customers want. And they have very strong preferences that they like to tell you about in your data. (laughs) So looking at your product data through the lens of customer segments as well. Yeah. Yeah. Customer segments and customer cohorts and customer preferences. It's super powerful. Yeah. That's very cool. Oh, my brain's just ticking over and like how you can use this and, and what kind of results you get out of it. I think it's phenomenal. So we've already got a kind of a hint on where you want to head and I know we can't give away too much, but what are you most excited about for yourself and the team at Style Arcade? I'm most excited about, I guess, to see where the brands lead us. It's very interesting. You know, you start a business and you think you can dictate to the market what, what software, you know, will be built for them, but no, no, no. They know what they want and what they need. And I'm excited for where they'll lead us because they've led us some really exciting places. For example, range planning, right? We launched that just on COVID and it's because customers had for six months before been saying to us, we need an online collaboration tool in real time. And all of a sudden, thank goodness it was built by the time COVID happened because they could then collaborate remotely. But it's just like for a brand, your customer leads you. It's the same for us. I'm excited to see where the where the users and the brands lead us into the future. That's amazing. Amazing to be customer-led and to have someone like yourself building that here in Australia for Australian brands to expand. So I love that concept of building it together. So if we've got brands, fashion brands listening to this and going, oh, I'd love to learn more or get started, how would they get in touch? So number of ways, right? Hop on our website, chat with us on there. You can find out more information. We've got pricing on there too to have a look at. There are loads of easy ways to get started and many people at Style Arcade who want to talk to you. So even hit me up. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. I love to chat. So yeah, couldn't be more excited to chat with more brands, to be honest. Yeah, amazing. Michaela, well, thank you for chatting with us today. Really enjoyed it. And thank you for sharing your insights and, and what's coming up for Style Arcade. Yeah, thanks, man. It's such a pleasure. Now, if this conversation has got you excited or even curious about upping your product planning game, Michaela has very generously given Addicart listeners 15% off new signups. So simply head over to stylearcade.com and quote Addicart15 when signing up or requesting your demo even, uh, and you'll get a nice little 15% kicker. Here are the three lessons I took away from my chat with Michaela. Number one, the 15% sizing rule. I really love when guests give us something really concrete and Michaela gave us a few of those. One of the biggest challenges that I often hear from fashion retailers is how to know how far to push sizing options. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure from customers who want inclusive sizing, but how do you know what will be profitable and what will sell? Michaela made this pretty simple. If your smallest or your largest sizes make up a significant portion of sales and 15% was her measure uh, of what was significant, keep pushing out the sizing until the fringe sizes are a smaller but still significant portion of sales. That's a really practical tip. Number two, the power of visual learning. Michaela designed Style Arcade as a very visual tool right from the beginning. She was kind of raging against the spreadsheet. And now she realizes the role that the visualization of merchandise has played in making sure that merchandise planning is accessible to so many different roles in the business, from e-com managers to marketers to CFOs, who are able to jump into it and gain insights easily. 
Obviously, creating these visual tools makes it easier for your team and makes the information much more accessible uh, to a wider audience. But it's also a lesson we can apply to our customers if we're asking them to take on more involved ideas, like trying to explain your sustainability cycles or maybe even your returns process. Could you put it in a more visual way rather than relying on text? And the third one is let the hackers in. Well, not in that way, obviously, but I loved how excited Michaela was when she was explaining some of the ideas and feedback she's had from her users. She wasn't defensive about any of it and actually thrived off thinking about how to incorporate that feedback into the product roadmap. So I love that when someone is using your tech, they're almost hacking it to create the ultimate feedback. So think about your products. How can you open up your offering or potentially even give early access to some of your best customers who love to hack around a bit and get that feedback from your users, your customers, or your community? All right, that's it for this week. Have a brilliant lead into Christmas. Only a couple of weeks to go. See you next week. To get the highlights of today's episode, head on over to addtocart.com.au and sign up for our free newsletter. Each Tuesday, we will send Monday's episode summary, links, and discount codes for you to go next level on. And if you're looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, come and visit us at eSuite. We're a dedicated e-commerce talent agency connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands in Australia. Head on over to eSuiteTalent.com.au where you can download the free e-commerce salary guide and sign up to our weekly e-commerce job emails. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep those customers adding to cart.